0: The title of my talk is The Deontological Pursuit of Truth, and I will talk about that, but I also ad lib, I'm going to ad lib a few things uh, as I thought about them as I was sitting down. So, as the, I guess, resident Canadian here, uh, I was tasked with reporting on what's going on in Canada, and we can argue whether Sweden or Canada is the top woke place in the world. Uh, Some will say Sweden, some will say Canada, and I happen to be at one of the wokest of Canadian universities. And so many people have come up to me today and said, how is it that you can say all the things that you do and yet survive in that world? Well, maybe that's what we'll talk about a bit today, having the intellectual courage to just say what you wish to say, unencumbered by some of these shackles. Uh, and for those of you who think, oh, but tenure protects you, uh, I will send you the death threats that I receive, and then we can discuss whether tenure protects you in every possible way. So. In any case, let me just uh, contextualize how it is in Canada. Uh, this is a study that came out a few years ago from the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. Uh, ranked 60 universities, Canadian universities, in grades along four metrics in terms of how much freedom they have. You know, do university poli- policies promote freedom, university practices, student union policies, and student union practices. And it turns out that out of 240 possible grades, 60 universities times four, there were only six A's. So roughly 2.5% of all possible grades uh, are A's in Canada. So we certainly are not doing a very good job promoting uh, you know, the freedoms that we're all concerned about. Just to give you a few examples, not unlike the event that, you got, that we are holding here today, uh, back in 2017, Jordan Peterson and I were supposed to speak at an confer- <coughs> event Titled The Stifling of Free Speech on University Campus. And of course, what ended up happening to that event, it was canceled. Uh, And then it was eventually held a few months later at a much larger forum. But if you saw the number of private security and uh, Toronto security that had to be there, you know, Jordan and I were looking at each other and thinking, how could it be that two Canadian professors who are going to talk about something as innocuous as the importance of freedom of speech require 50 bodyguards. But that's the kind of zeitgeist that we have today. This is me at a heavier weight, uh, (laughs) appearing in front of the Canadian Senate uh, in 2017, at the time Bill C-16 was uh, not yet passed. Bill C-16 refers to uh, incorporating gender identity and gender expression. Under the rubric of hate crimes. And of course, most reasonable people would say, yeah, of course, sign me up for that. I support transgender rights. But I was asked to come as an evolutionary psychologist to talk about things like evolved sex differences, something that Jerry Coyne very briefly mentioned earlier today. You know, there is such a thing as male and female and sexual selection. Darwin's sexual selection is a real thing, and so on. And then this uh, luminary senator, at the end of my testimony, accused me of being a pro-genocide guy. This is the person who comes, who escaped execution in Lebanon as a Lebanese Jew. So this is the kind of discourse that you have in the Canadian Senate. Uh, I won't mention. I won't spend much time on this. But you know, the die religion, diversity, inclusion, equity now is everywhere in Canadian universities, whether you get a grant, whether you get a chaired professorship, everything is driven by DAI. Uh, we also have in Canada something that I don't think you quite have in the United States. We have the indigenization of the university, and that could mean many things. It could mean land acknowledgements, but it can be, mean something actually a lot more nefarious. It can argue that the scientific method is not the sole epistemology for adjudicating across hypotheses. But there are other ways of knowing. So there is an indigenous astronomy. No, there isn't. Okay? There is only the scientific method. There isn't a Lebanese Jewish way of doing evolutionary psychology. There is evolutionary psychology. Okay? Uh, some people ask me, how come I get away with uh, being able to say that? I'm not sure. Maybe it's my radiant smile. But the reality is, everybody has to be able to speak with this kind of boldness. And I think that the problem would go away pretty quickly. This is uh, at UBC a few years ago, and and shortly, I will stop with the Canadian examples. Uh, This professor argued that she wasn't granted tenure, not because she hadn't published much, but rather because she's indigenous, and therefore her culture promotes the oral tradition. So having things like, you know, writing things was considered to be you know a form of violence against her oral tradition and that wasn't laughed out of you know the place rather that it was actually heard that's the kind of lunacy you face now let's move on very quickly uh, i'll i'll skip this uh, I want to talk briefly about this. This is a few days ago I posted this, and his name is up only because it was on a public forum. This is a a pretty prominent professor of marketing and head of a department at a major university. I was sarcastically saying, you know, now that Elon Musk has taken over, here are some things that you know we won't be banned for, you know, men don't menstruate and can't bear children. That would not get us, you know, and so he writes back sarcastically. Yes, truly an exciting day. Now, uninformed, under-researched, thoughtless, hurtful, and offensive ideas have the same and equal global platform as those other foolish thoughts that advocate caring for, for others. Free speech reigns, humanity will finally triumph. And then I responded, and then he didn't respond to that. I escaped execution in Lebanon because I'm Jewish, and yet I support the right of Holocaust deniers to spew their grotesque and offensive nonsense you have zero understanding of what freedom of speech means. Freedom of speech is a right guaranteed equally to all people and not solely those who hold our enlightened views. Right. So what he was saying, basically, in a a typical elitist smug way, the rubes, the plebs, the great unwashed, surely we can't be promoting their ideas. We are the holders of the truth. And that leads me to my next point, which is the difference between consequentialist ethics and deontological ethics. Deontological ethics is if I say it is never okay to lie, that would be a deontological statement. A consequentialist statement would be it's okay to lie, for example, if you're trying to spare someone's feelings. So if you wish to remain married and your spouse says, do I look fat in those jeans? Then you say, of course you don't, you look beautiful. That's a consequentialist bent. Right? So on many things, we are consequentialists, But when it comes to academic freedom, when it comes to freedom of inquiry, when it comes to freedom of speech, that has to be enshrined as a deontological principle. And regrettably, many professors, maybe not here today with us, completely abide by a consequentialist ethos. That's wrong. Let me skip here. Uh, Just to prove this point using a a, a very uh, dramatic example, uh, in 1960, Mossad uh, had located Adolf Eichmann in Argentina, and they faced one of two possibilities. They could either execute him there and disappear into the night, and nobody would know anything about it, or at great personal cost and great diplomatic cost, they would try to whisk him out of Argentina, return him to Israel, where he would stand trial. Well, there they abided by the deontological principle that everyone deserves their due day in court. So if Adolf Eichmann can be afforded that right, then the imbeciles who will say things like, but surely we can't allow Donald Trump to speak because that just makes no sense, they are succumbing to a consequentialist ethos. You either believe in these principles and you don't violate them, or you don't. Now, the next one I want to talk about, just very briefly, and this is the the part that I want to ad-lib. This is arguably my favorite quote by a scientist of any quote, so bear with me. I actually quoted in one of my earlier books, The Consuming Instinct, in the last chapter. This is from J.B.S. Haldane, who's an evolutionary geneticist who was also very known for being very quotable. He had these great quips. So he said the following, in reference to the four stages that academics go through before they accept a theory. He said, the the process of acceptance will pass through the usual four stages. Number one, this is worthless nonsense. Number two, this is an interesting but perverse point of view. Number three, this is true but quite unimportant. Number four, I always said so. Now, why is this so poignant to me? Because if I were to write an autobiography of my career, I would just have this quote as the entire book, because my entire career has been defined by this, right? People said, evolutionary psychology, that's quack science, it's bullshit, don't do it. You want to do it in the business school, that's insane, don't do it. You want to start a podcast, what you're selling out, don't do it. You want to go on Joe Rogan, as someone from Stanford told me when I came in 2017, he said, Well, we don't condone that at Stanford. I said, You don't condone what? Going in front of a show with 20 million people to share your ideas? Right? So basically, what the the, the intrusion to academic freedom doesn't only come from institutional forces, it comes from our frailties whereby we decide to adhere to certain norms, right? Don't do this type of research, do this type of research, don't do this, don't say that, don't, right? Well, break free of those. Be a player. What I mean by player is, in my next book, I talk about the good life and you know, how to be happy, and I have a chapter called Life as a Playground. I live by that ethos. If some of you follow me on social media or uh, you know, on, on my podcast, I can act like a complete buffoon. Not because I'm a buffoon, because I can mock, I can satirize, I can joke. I can be very professorial. I'm multifaceted. And so what we need to do as professors is put on multiple hats. And that's how we break free out of the shackles of uh, intrusions to academic freedom. Thank you very much.